Saul Wisdom, where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown. I am here today with Cliff McManus. We are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California. We are both professors of theology at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And today we want to talk about a tough but necessary topic. We want to talk about signs of spiritual sickness. What are the indications that our souls are not doing well? But before we get to our topic, I want to point your attention to withallwisdom.org, where you will find a large and growing collection of resources, all rooted in God's Word and aimed to help you grow in your walk with Christ. That's withallwisdom.org. Now on to our topic. Uh, This is an important topic that we must address as pastors, because just like our bodies, when certain symptoms start emerging, we need to take immediate action because these symptoms can indicate that something is not right with our physical health. The same goes for our spiritual lives. When certain symptoms start to show up, they are indications that something is not right in our souls and we need to address those issues or things will only get worse. And reason I, the reason why I started thinking about this topic is because I'm currently preaching through Hebrews here at Creekside. Uh, Cliff is preaching through Luke. I, when I preach, I preach through Hebrews and I just preached through Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, where the author actually rebukes his listeners, his readers, because they were becoming spiritually dull. He says they are becoming dull of hearing. And he was about to launch into a discussion of some deeper truths about Christ and his Melchizedekian priesthood and some really rich truths about uh, who Jesus is and his role as high priest and all that means in relation to the Old Testament. He's about, he was just talking about that, and he's going to launch into some deeper truths about it, but he stopped himself. He interrupted himself and said, but... We can't talk about these things right now. We have much more to say, but we can't talk about them because you have become dull of hearing. They had started to regress spiritually. They are having trouble understanding basic truths of Christianity, and they were losing their ability to discern between truth and error. But this wasn't a small issue. The reason why the author rebuked them is because spiritual dullness left unchecked leads to apostasy from Christ. That's the argument of chapters 5 leading into chapter 6. You can't remain in a, a place of spiritual dullness or being dull of hearing because it will it will only get worse and then lead you to falling away from the Lord. So it's a it's a urgent topic that we need to discuss. So it's it's important, and we hope you, that you will listen in. And we trust this will probably be a multiple um, episode series. So you want to tune into all of them. Uh, but as Christians, we need to pay attention to our hearts. We don't we're not going to be advocating for becoming overly introspective but to do what Paul says, to examine ourselves, just like we need to go to the doctor for a regular checkup or physical, so we need to be regularly examining ourselves and make sure our spiritual health is where it should be. So before I launch us into the first section, uh, I want to ask you, Cliff, do you have anything that you would like to say by way of introduction? Yeah, I think this is a great topic, Derek. You, You came up with it, and it's kind of a unique topic that not a lot of folks talk about or raise, at least that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. but you and I, we're full-time pastors or shepherds, mm-hmm. and our main imperative and command, like we talked about, is God's called us to shepherd or take care of our people, and that's primarily spiritually. Yeah. So this is actually something you and I think about all the time, yeah. or our elders do at our church. Right. How are our people doing? And, and when we ask that question, we're asking, how are they doing spiritually? Right, exactly. And then we are actually probably unconsciously thinking of signs of spiritual health mm-hmm. and signs of spiritual sickness in their life, right, of things right. that we can see, uh, detect objectively that this may be a symptom or an indicator. Yeah. 
either of health, growth, obedience, mm-hmm. and fruitfulness, mm-hmm. or the converse, or the opposite of, ooh, these aren't good trends or signs, yeah. and uh, maybe there's something below the surface we need to investigate, and that would be spiritual sickness. So yeah. this is really practical and, and something that every Christian should stop and pause and think about. Another thing about this topic, of because uh, your first question is going to be uh, regarding what are the signs of spiritual sickness, and the analogy you just used of, same with our physical body, yeah. where we can do a self-assessment, ooh, my foot hurts, my stomach's been aching for seven weeks now, I've had a headache for two weeks now or whatever, and then that might prompt us to investigate more, is there something mm-hmm. worse wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to being spiritually sick, sometimes we aren't able to do that because we don't see it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We're oblivious to it. We're blind to it, or maybe we just ignore it, and that's that's why it's, it can be really dangerous. Right. Now, right. some conscientious Christians uh, who are sensitive, they will tend to maybe some of these signs that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. and realize, oh, I'm I'm in a bad habit habit or pattern right now, and what's wrong with me? I need to deal with this. And yeah. they might even do some self evaluation. But more times than not, I think. There are believers who aren't even aware of the signs of sickness yeah. that are evident in their life, yeah. and and you and I have seen that as pastors, pretty routinely actually, mm-hmm. as we're you know we're responsible for shepherding our people, and then we see trends or signs that aren't good, right? And many times we find out that member, that person, that professing Christian isn't even aware mm. of these negative trends in their mm-hmm. life. So that's why I think this topic is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and it you can again re, you like you did relate it back to physical health where you have friends in your life who might start to notice, "Well, you're you don't you don't look so good. You've been, you know, just talking about physical health. You would, you don't look so good or you you're kind of walking with a hobble or whatever it might be." And they person doesn't even really notice it. It takes someone to point it out and they're like, "Oh, wow." And then they get it checked out and it is something more serious, but they didn't initially recognize. So that's a really good point. That's why we want to inform our listeners so that they can be aware not only of their own spiritual health, but also the spiritual health of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, and I think your topic that you brought up is a a direct imperative in the Bible with Paul and other places where he literally says, um, examine yourself, mm-hmm. examine yeah. yourself yeah. to see whether you are in the faith. He, yeah. he says that more than once, and that's a command. Yeah. So that's really a biblical discipline. Yeah. We need to do that. Yeah, we do. Well, let's uh, jump into it. One thing I wanted to do as I was thinking about this topic, Cliff, is I wanted to start off by listing a few things that are not necessarily signs of spiritual sickness. And I think this is is important because there are a few things that we might wrestle with in our life that we're like, whoa, this is this is this bad? Is this what is this? And we just want to clear the way here and make sure that we're we're talking specifically about those things which are truly signs of spiritual sickness. So let's start off by listing a few that are not necessarily signs of spiritual sickness. And I wanted to first mention that someone who is wrestling mightily with temptation, that's not a sign of spiritual sickness. In fact, it might be a sign of spiritual health, actually. And the reason we know this is because, first, we'll just start with Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was battling the temptation to not go to the cross. And he is talking to his father saying if there's another way um let it let it i would if there's another way could there be another way and then at the end he says not my will but your will be done but prior to that he's wrestling and with so mightily that he begins to sweat drops of blood and jesus never sinned 
and yet he is wrestling mightily with what's coming up uh, for him in terms of bearing the wrath of God and the uh, temptation to not follow through with what he had come to do. And he perseveres through that, as we knew he would, as the Son of God. But nevertheless, there's this mightily, mighty wrestling over um, what he is about to do. And we know because he is sinless, we know that that was not sinful for him to do that. And it was no sign of spiritual sickness at all. In fact, it was a sign of spiritual health. He was the healthiest, uh, speaking uh, from a human perspective, the healthiest man to ever live, spiritually speaking. And yet he's here wrestling mightily with this, with this conflict. Yeah. Let's be clear for all you listeners out there. <laughs> Jesus was tempted. I mean, mm-hmm. that's literally what Hebrews 4 says. Yeah. Jesus was tempted by sin in all ways that we have been tempted. Right. Yet he was sinless and he never caved to any of those temptations. Right. And that's important because there there is a teaching out there, even in evangelical Christianity, where people try to argue that uh, God can't be tempted. Mm-hmm. And they're taking a verse and out of context and saying, well, therefore, Jesus couldn't be tempted, and right. therefore Jesus never was really tempted. Right. No, no, Hebrews 4 says Jesus was tempted, right. and they, these were real temptations. Yep. The difference was uh, he never caved into the temptation. He right. never sinned. Right. Perfect obedience, but the temptations were real. That's actually comforting for us. Yes. Uh, that just because we are subjected to temptations, we feel temptations all the time. If we obey, if we resist, if we don't cave, uh, that's that's not a bad thing. Right. That's right. And their temptations are going to be with us as long as we are in these bodies in this fallen world. Yeah. I the reason I wanted to point this out is because I know that in my early my Christian life, I just it just the 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 prevalence of temptation was very discouraging to me. And it felt like I was always always just resisting very strongly all these temptations. And I'm like, "Well, this must this can't be a good sign because I'm because of all these temptations." And when in reality Paul even talks about this in Romans seven fourteen through twenty three when he's talking about his wrestling with uh, with sin and temptation, this fight, this battle against temptation. And as we see in the uh, Christ and his uh, resisting temptation in Matthew four, and then in Matthew twenty six in Gethsemane, that this is part of the Christian life to wrestle, to fight, to battle, do battle against sin. So this is not a sign of spiritual sickness. In fact, it can be a sign of spiritual health that you're actually actively fighting against sin and temptation. Yeah, and it can be a relief, like you said. Same, like I had the same problem when I was a, a new Christian, just mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that I was still having temptations. I felt guilty. Right. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Right. I'm not supposed to be feeling temptations. I'm right. not supposed to be being tempted. And that was just me being naive, right. not here. knowing the Bible. Yeah. Sin lives in me. As a matter of fact, I will continue to be tempted the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm in this flesh, in this life, right. temptations are just going to keep coming. Right. That's right. So if you are uh, a Christian who is finding yourself tempted and doing battle against those temptations, that's actually a good sign. Yes. Um, because we have indwelling sin that needs to be dealt with. And we right. have Satan, who is called the tempter. Yep. And he prowls around like a roaring lion constantly. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the Christian life. That's right. Uh, another... One I wanted to mention was uh, sadness. Sadness is not necessarily a sign of spiritual sickness. <laughs> you know, uh, we we got to make this very clear. Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus. Uh, the psalmist often was weeping because of uh, trials that he was enduring. Um, Paul was made sad uh, over those who left the faith, who were once professing 
believers. And you see that in Philippians 3. So sadness, grief, these are not necessarily signs of spiritual sickness at all. In fact, can be signs of spiritual health. You really care about the things that matter, and they make you sad. Absolutely. Um, we need to go through the whole gamut of emotions as God has made us emotional beings. Yeah. We need to be true to those, and they need to be informed by truth. I mean, even James commands that we weep with those who weep. Yeah. So that's a sign of spiritual health, uh, this sadness. Um, and you can have true sadness in light of sin and loss and those kind of things, while at the same time still fulfill and know the peace of God deep in your heart. Mm-hmm. You can still have joy in Christ no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. So that, right. uh, Amazingly, they can go together. You have deep-seated joy in your heart because of uh, salvation in Christ, while at the same time as a human, uh, you can experience sadness at the same time. And that's when God is your sufficiency in the midst of your sadness. You're still anchored to him, and you can have that deep-seated, unchangeable, supernatural yeah. peace and joy in your heart, and yet still go through the true, legitimate emotions of being a fallen human in a fallen world, which in sadness is one of those. That's right. And it's interesting because it seems like in our culture, there is this attempt to kind of um, streamline or, or even out our emotions. Yes. And, and when in biblically speaking, Paul says we're sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's a very robust, robust, almost kind of complex emotional life yes. that Christians can experience. Yep. And yet there's this, seems like this call within our culture to kind of even out our um, our experiences of our emotions, that, th- that those two kinds of things can exist and shouldn't exist. You should try to rid yourself of those kinds of negative, conflicting emotions when Paul says, no, that's, that's the normal Christian life, sorrowful, yeah. yet always rejoicing. Yeah, that's a great verse. Um, and we need to, to welcome all those true emotions. Yeah, yeah. Where we are. So I would imagine that you, you aren't too fond of that popular Sunday school song that says, I'm happy, happy, happy all the time. No. <laughs> we teach that to our children, right. Derek. Yes. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah. Maybe we're yeah. communicating the wrong message Probably. by that song. Probably. That's, that's virtually impossible. It's not even biblical. Yeah. And there are other hymns that do that very thing, that give the impression that Christians are happy all the time yeah. because you're in Christ and you have a glorious future, which we do, and that those are causes of rejoicing. It's as though you never will experience sadness. Yeah. That's a real, that's really misleading, honestly. It is. And I, I'm not real fond of the word happy either. <laughs> I prefer biblical terms like joy, joy, which is really, that's on the inside in the heart mm-hmm. based on our relationship. Not based on circumstances. Exactly. Primarily, yeah. Um, another one I wanted to mention, this is, this is different. I'm, I'm distinguishing these two things here, uh, is weariness and, um, and Psalm 6, 6, uh, David says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. And so there's sadness there, but there's also a weariness that just comes from the trials and uh, struggles of life. And you're just beat down and you're weary and you're tired. And um, this is not necessarily a sign of spiritual sickness. Um, in fact, uh, David experiences these things as he's uh, some of his psalms as he's running from Saul, as he's suffering other forms of persecution or just basic trials, that he just, he's weary. And Christians who are fighting the flesh, who are fighting against the devil, who are seeking to live a life that's pleasing to God, who are seeking to be fruitful in ministry and, and to push against a world that is always pushing against them and what they believe, Christians are going to be weary. And uh, this is no sign that you're spiritually sick. In fact, it might be an indication that you're 
spiritually healthy and you're just you're uh, forging ahead like you should be. Yeah, that's good. Jesus got weary. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are good. What, here's one that I had, yeah. Derek, that actually compliments one you've already said, um, that it is not a sign of spiritual sickness if you feel guilt, mm. uh, which compliments that first one that you said of yeah. when you feel temptation. Yeah. And then you feel guilty because you feel temptation. Mm-hmm. Or you feel guilt because – and I'd say there's healthy guilt and illegitimate guilt. Sure. So healthy guilt is that spiritual barometer that God gives us with the indwelling Holy Spirit yeah. and our a sensitive conscience where you realize maybe you've committed sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's supposed to prompt us to repent yeah. and confess to God and, and get it right. So uh, guilt in and of itself is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think guilt is a gift from God. Yeah. It's like pain in the physical body. You put your hand on the stove and you feel pain, and that's a warning signal. Right. Remove your finger so it doesn't burn. So, right. so there is a form of healthy guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and another similar one is, um, I don't think it's a sign of spiritual sickness if you haven't conquered a sin in your life. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, maybe there's just a deep-seated pattern of sin that you have in your life or some propensity that you might have that hasn't been eradicated after a year or five years, and this is kind of that ongoing temptation maybe. Maybe hopefully we grow in our sanctification Mm -hmm. of resisting the temptation, Mm -hmm. but maybe the particular temptation of that sin never goes away. You hear different testimonies of people like I've heard Christians say, yeah, when I became a Christian, I stopped cussing and saying swear words, and (laughs) boom, it was gone, or I stopped smoking pot or that kind of a thing, and uh, or even people who were lesbian or homosexual said, yeah, I lost that desire after mm-hmm. I got saved. And then others have given the testimony that, yeah, um, the desire didn't totally go away or mm-hmm. that temptation didn't go away even right. after I became a Christian. Right. And I entered a godly marriage and I even, God bless me with children, but occasionally I still have to battle with that illegitimate desire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so there are things, maybe certain sins that are just are not completely conquered in this life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are just things to to be aware of. Yeah, great reminder. A couple others I had were, I don't think it's a sign of spiritual sickness if you have questions. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's legitimate questions and illegitimate ones. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Pharisees usually asked illegitimate questions yeah. <laughs> trying to trap Jesus. But there are uh, – there are legitimate questions that we can have. The psalmist mm-hmm. had questions, mm-hmm. asking God. Um, I think it's not always wrong or a sign of spiritual sickness to have doubts. Mm-hmm. And the psalmist did that as well, mm-hmm. even David, you know, at times doubting and asking him for answers and pleading with him. And yeah. grab the psalmist grappling with God, his creator and maker and savior, yeah. and uh, pleading with God. These are all part of the normal human experience. Yeah. They can be taken to illegitimate extremes, but on the face of it, in and of themselves, they aren't unspiritual. Yep. Agreed. Um, those are the main ones that I had. Okay. That's excellent. Oh, I, oh here's yeah, another one. Please. Sorry. Uh, a sign of spiritual sickness. I, um, this is not a sign of spiritual sickness. Is for one Christian to disagree with another Christian. Oh. Or to have... Whatever, you know, theological debates or – Yeah. Because uh, some Christians say, oh, that's not loving. That's divisive. Right. To be battling and fighting and disagreeing over doctrine and right. whatever, as though that's not spiritual. Right. That's a spiritual sickness. And right. No, not always. Especially for pastors, we're, we're told to be guardians of the faith and mm-hmm. the truth
even individual believers need to be do- doing that. They're supposed to be discerning. Yeah. And they have yep. to challenge, you know, rebuke one another, those yeah. kind of things. Yep. So just because you're disagreeing, debating, calling into question, arguing spiritually, mm-hmm. that's not a sign of spiritual weakness or sickness. Yeah. In fact, you could even maybe you could even make the argument that the 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 opposite is true that uh, if there is no willingness to engage in debate issues, that that is a sign of spiritual sickness because you've become indifferent or you've become, yeah. um, you just want to kind of, you don't, you want to keep peace at the expense of truth. And so that's an excellent point that, in fact, in, uh, when, and whenever I do my, teach my classes up at Cornerstone, uh, I take them through something called theological method. And at the end, I talk about how debate among Christians is actually good and healthy for us. You do it in the right environment, you have respect and love for one another, but you are going to, you're going to debate this out and you're going to come to the truth. It's actually healthy. It gives you clarity on what the truth is and it's it's good good for us. And so I, I actually make the argument that it is a sign of health yeah. for, to, to do this and to do it right. That's a good point. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 11, that uh, divisions among Christians are good. One of the benefits is, is when you have a debate over theological matters. It brings truth to the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is, we hope that is helpful. These were things that are not necessarily signs of spiritual sickness, and that's going to help us segue now into those that are, and we will hopefully be able to cover uh, a number of these, if not most of them, and we'll, we will likely be heading into uh, another episode to, to cover the rest of this. But I want to give you, what I'll do is I'm going to give you a, a sign of spiritual sickness and then give you the rationale for why I think it is, a biblical rationale. And we can just go back and forth. Cliff, I know you'll have some that I don't have. And we want to try to be as comprehensive as possible so this is as helpful as possible. But the first one I would put, and I, I don't know if this is in any logical order or order of priority, but this first one I would put would be a lack of thankfulness to God. And the reason I say that is because what you find in the New Testament, particularly in Romans 1, 18 and following, is that unthankfulness is what characterizes the unbeliever. In fact, that's what is a major part, the major theme of that chapter, that verses 18 through 32, that it's the unbeliever who refuses to thank and honor God who is turned away from God, who's now worshiping idols instead of the one true God, and they refuse to thank and honor God. Paul says that in that uh, uh, text. And the flip side of that, then, is the command to the Christian in Colossians 3.17, for example, that in everything that we do, everything, we are always thanking God in Christ Jesus. So that thankfulness is to characterize uh, the Christian life. And I think we could go a little deeper to talk about, okay, well, why is it a sign of spiritual sickness beyond just saying that it's something that characterizes the unbeliever? Well, if you think about it, when you are not thankful to God, it's an expression of discontentment. Uh, it's demonstrating that you are not uh, appreciative of all that God has done for you. You're not fully recognizing uh, what you do deserve, which is judgments, what I deserve, eternal judgment, and yet God lavishes me with salvation, and then he lavishes me with providing for all my needs, giving us many things to enjoy, and so it's an indication that I'm almost starting to become 
proud, arrogant, uh, have a heart of entitlement that these these I should be getting these things. God owes me these things. Rather, when you recognize yourself as a, uh, a pathetic sinner and someone who actually deserves judgment, yet God lavishes you, then that's with goodness. You're gonna that's gonna cause thankfulness in your heart. So that's a, a few reasons why I think lack of thankfulness to God or a growing lack of thankfulness to God can be a sign of spiritual sickness. Any thoughts on that? Yes. Um, just for our listeners out there should know that you and I actually made our lists independently of one mm-hmm. another without mm-hmm. consulting Oh yeah, on this question of what are signs of spiritual sickness and so I have several, and the first <laughs> on my list is a lack of thanksgiving to God. Wow. Just like you said. Wow. That's because, incredible. Because I think it's such, in light of everything you just said, it's such a priority. It's so blatantly obvious, you know, because yeah, right. when people are talking, the nature of their words tell you where their heart is. That's yeah. what Jesus said, yeah. right? That out of the mouth, the heart speaks. It's a pretty good indicator of where you're at spiritually. Mm-hmm. And if you're not being thankful, you're being, like you said, you're being discontent and what's the opposite of thankfulness is complaining. Mm-hmm. So that's um, – I just think that's blatantly obvious. If this becomes a pattern, that's why Paul in Philippians 2, he commands Christians, stop complaining. Yeah. I mean, it's a command. Yeah. Stop, knock it off, literally yeah. is what he's saying <laughs> because it's sinful. And then he says in First Thessalonians 5 to complement your Colossians verse, in everything give thanks. Mm-hmm. Meaning, no matter what's going on in your life, you should always be thankful, not yep. for the bad things, but right. always thankful to God right. for your salvation. Yeah. In everything, give thanks because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. If if you are not a thankful person, you're not in God's will. Yeah. You're out of his will. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. Um, and that if that becomes a pattern at all in your life of being a thankless Christian and it's seen in your words and your attitudes – um, by being discontent, mm-hmm. complaining, mm-hmm. nitpicking, that is a symptom of a spiritual sickness. Yeah, good. All right, well, let's see how the rest of these line up, Cliff. That was a uh, we're one for one. We're one for one. Um, the next one I have here is, and, and some of these will have overlap, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll try to talk about that. And uh, this one probably overlaps a little bit with the the previous one. But the next one I have here is bitterness towards God and others. And I get that from Hebrews 12, where the author of Hebrews says to be careful that no root of bitterness springs up. And in the context, that's in uh, light of God's discipline, that's in light of warnings to uh, to not uh, drift away from the Lord, and, and also in the context of discussing Esau and his approach in a relationship with the Lord. And the warning is to not let a root of bitterness spring up. And so... You can again. You can understand. You just kind of go a little deeper and think about this. As if someone is a, has a growing bitterness towards God, they think they deserved or should have gotten something. Again, this ties into the thankfulness one, but they think God should have got, given them something that they don't have. And rather than being thankful and blessing God for all that they do have, Christ and and every earthly blessing that they do enjoy, rather they start to allow bitterness to, to spring up, to grow in their hearts. And this is going to um, affect other areas of their life and probably bleed in and cause other sicknesses, you could say, in their life. It's going to affect their worship. It's going to affect their relationships. It's going to 
it's not going to be good. And um, this is something that Christians need to be aware of, bitterness towards God. And I am surprised that this is something I read and I hear uh, Christians, professing Christians, talking about it being okay to be angry with God. And I would say just the opposite. It's actually a sign of spiritual illness when you're angry with God. Like you said, you can have questions and you can wrestle with God and things don't make sense and, and you're tempted to be bitter and you're tempted to be angry, but recognizing that being angry or bitter with God, it's not only do we have no right to be, but it is, it's going to be bad for our spiritual health. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this bitterness is the perfect complement to the first one you brought mm. up of thankfulness mm-hmm. because uh, the root of bitterness, even the analogy of the root, yeah. that's under the surface. Yeah. Bitterness, that's an internal attitude. Yeah. Somebody could be bitter and you're looking at them and you don't know they're bitter. That's true. Only God knows their heart. How do you know they're bitter? Mm-hmm. It's when they open their mouth yeah. and they're not thankful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the bitterness is the root. The thanklessness is the fruit. Yeah. These are perfectly complement one another. Yeah. This is the origin of why they're not thankful is because they're bitter in their heart. That's yeah. really getting to the issue of why they are spiritually sick. Yeah, and one of the things, one of this. Uh, oh, let, go another thing I was going to say, you yeah. brought it up, Derek, is I've been a Christian over 30 years. I can honestly say I've never been mad at God since I've been a Christian. I was mad at God when I wasn't a Christian. I remember mm-hmm. being mad at God. Mm-hmm. I hated God. Mm-hmm. I'd blame God for stuff Yeah, when they didn't get my, go my way. Yeah, And then I got saved when I was 19. And since being a Christian, and that's one thing God's blessed me with is I've never – have I ever questioned and had doubts and those kind of things? Yeah, but I've never been mad at God. Right, right. I've blamed it on other things, right. <laughs> <laughs> me or other people, but yeah. I've never blamed God. Yeah. Uh, so I think if you're a Christian and you you get mad at God, you need to repent mm-hmm. and uh, rechannel your anger somewhere else where it's appropriate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the passage I was referring to in Hebrews twelve fifteen it says this: See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. I think it's indicating that this bitterness that is the sickness that this person has that's being expressed in bitterness, it doesn't just stay with that person. Right, it can spread. It, it can. It's worse than COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A mask won't help. Yep. It's a disease. It's yeah. poison. It is. It's poisonous, and it will affect infect other Christians. Yeah. So we want to want to be aware of that. Uh, number three. Lo- again, again, more overlap here, but I think have distinct things we can say about this one. Love for God and others growing cold. Uh, the reason why I say that, uh, Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 12, that when lawlessness increases, as, as we move towards the end of history, lawlessness is going to increase, and, and, and one of the effects of that is going to be people's love growing cold, love for God, love for others. Uh, Revelation 2, 4, Jesus pointed out to the church in Ephesus that one of the things he had against them was that they had left their first love. They had, a, a, they had good doctrine, they are defending good doctrine, they are pushing out false teachers, but they had left their first love or the love that they had at first. And so I take this to be an indication that our love dissipating, decreasing, growing cold is a sign of spiritual ill health because love really is at the center of the Christian life. I mean, everything really revolves around around loving God and loving others. And you could just, you could just sum up everything like the old, Jesus does with the Old Testament. You can just sum up everything with you're loving God and you're loving others. That's the Christian life. 
So if that's starting to decrease, this is not a good sign. And it can, it can, it can manifest itself in many ways. Uh, you're growing in your, how easily you are annoyed with other Christians, or you, like we said, you're becoming bitter with God, or you're becoming resentful towards others, or you don't want to serve others. You're becoming more and more selfish and less sacrificial. These are, these are not good. This yep. is a sign of spiritual illness. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, it starts, it's in the heart. Mm-hmm. Growing cold. Signs of spiritual sickness. Your love for God growing cold and your love for others growing cold. And you almost need to, like you said, follow up question of what are the signs of growing cold? What does mm, that look like? And you yeah. gave some examples. Sure. Um, and we'll look at more of those. Yeah. Well, let's say, let's do one more and then we will stop for uh, this episode and then we will pick it up in another episode. But let's do this last one here. So, Replacing that love for God and that love for others is now a growing love of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean love for people in the world. We should always be loving people in the world. But First John 2, 15 through 17, he, he explains what he means by loving the world. He means what's in the world, the uh, desires of the flesh or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And so you're just becoming more and more enamored with all that is in the world. You're starting to really stake your claim in this life. This life is what is becoming most important to you. Your desire to boast in what you have and who you are and and everything you've accomplished, this is starting to dominate your life. You're setting your sights on the way that you can uh, amass things for yourself, whether it's accomplishments or wealth, or you are starting to fix your eyes on things that are that are forbidden or that you just have an inordinate desire for. And these are the, this is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life that John warns us that if the love of these things is growing in our hearts or if the love of these things is in our hearts, then the love of God is not in us, which would be an indication of some, some serious spiritual illness. Yeah, loving the world, you're, then you're an enemy of God. Yep. You can't love them both. Yep. I had that on my list too. This is a spirit, sure sign of spiritual sickness when you call yourself a Christian, but you have a growing love, or you're more excited about the things in the world than things in the church or yeah, of God. Right. I had a, somebody who was a friend who they had an annual Academy Awards party that they would mm-hmm. invite many friends to, mm-hmm. 20, 30 people. It was a big deal, all-day event, and I just think it got it out of hand because they were, they were more excited about the Academy Awards party they were going to have than – Going to Bible study, right. or going to church, right. or being with right. God's people. Right. Um, right. That's just one practical example. Yeah. But also loving the world. We saw this during COVID when all things were coming at us at one time where Christians were embracing worldly ideologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you're loving the world, whether it was uh, defund the police movement. Mm-hmm. That's a violation of what God says in Romans 13. Yeah. We need to honor authority. Yeah. And here's Christians embracing this false worldly ideology. Yeah. Right. Or uh, Black Lives Matter, or which is a Marxist ideology mm-hmm. that's contrary to biblical faith uh, of embracing the things, the ideologies, uh, worldviews that are godless. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it's not just merely some sort of attachment to uh, material things, but it's also the embracing of ideologies, um, ideas, doctrines of the world and embracing those and enacting on those uh, rather than remaining riveted to the truth of God's word. 
Well, that is great for an introduction, Cliff. Thank you for everything that you shared. That is really helpful. We're going to come back and talk about this topic more. We're going to talk about more signs of spiritual sickness and then in some follow-up episodes talking about what causes spiritual sickness and what medicine can heal our spiritual sicknesses. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord and His Word. Amen.